Do you remember over these last years, I've used a phrase like this. It is uh, a paraphrase from things that scholars like John Kelvin, authors like A.W. Tozer have written about over the centuries. And the sentence goes something like this. A person's understanding of God is the single most important thing about them. And you probably said, what in the world is Kevin talking about? Well, let me take that word, that idea, your image of God is critical to understanding how to live. And let me read something. Every week I'm going to read some carefully worded statements that speak to this relationship with the Trinity. So now I want you to think, what is your image of God? Listen to these words, please. God is not some divine abstraction that faceless, nameless, austere omnibeing of the catechism and the creeds. God is not an isolated sovereign, a self-centered king who demands that everything revolve around him and be done for his name. God is not a legalist, a divine bookkeeper who watches over us like a hawk to see if we're keeping his rules. Nor is he some boring old religious type, a cosmic killjoy who sits in heaven thinking up ways to stifle everything that is good. On the other hand, neither is God like some goofy Santa Claus who doles out, doles out goodies without regard to what we're capable of receiving and enjoying. The truth is, listen to the sentence now, God is a circle of passion and life and fellowship. Now here's a big, strong, audacious sentence. The Trinity is the most beautiful doctrine in the Christian faith but it has been disastrously, disastrously neglected and forgotten. And when it is talked about, the discussion is dominated by academics who get caught up in technicalities and miss the plain, simple, and beautiful point of it all. What the doctrine of the Trinity is saying right here, simply, is that God is fundamentally a relational being. When we recite the Nicene Creed, and we will, and the Apostles' Creed, which we sang last week, and we affirm that Jesus Christ is the eternal Son of God, we are saying there's never been a moment in all eternity when God was alone. We're saying that God has always been Father, Son, and Spirit. We are saying there was never a time when the Father was not the Father, the Son was not the Son, and the Spirit was not there, and there was just God, so to speak, just some abstract divinity. God has always existed in relationship. Now listen to these next several sentences. Fellowship, camaraderie, togetherness, communion have always been at the very center of the being of God and always will be. It is critical that we see this. It is just as critical that we see the shared life of Father, Son, and Spirit, one in three, three in one, is not of sorrow and loneliness and emptiness. It is not about isolation or self-centeredness. It is about fellowship. And the fellowship means that God is not so lonely, sad, depressed. As Father, Son, and Spirit living in fellowship, God is essentially and eternally happy. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit live in conversation in a fellowship of free-flowing togetherness and sharing and delight. A great circle of shared life that is full and rich and passionate and creative and good and beautiful. What is your image of God? If our image of God, and I kind of, last week I tried to poke at this, and I'm, I'm exaggerating, but I'm not. 
if we have God the Father as kind of the Old Testament rule giver, watching over, making sure we're not sinning, and if Jesus is the Son who came and died, rose, and then went away to heaven, and then we have the mysterious, misunderstood, not sure what to do with Holy Spirit, what happens to us living here? What has Christian faith evolved to for many of us? Well, Christian faith is kind of like an insurance policy. And I hope when I die, I get to go to somewhere, up there, someplace. Rather than understanding, get your image of God right, we are in a circle of love, Father, Son, and Spirit. And as we are invited in, we are in a fellowship, an eternal fellowship of love and joy and beauty. Do you understand that? What is your image of God? So I want you to think about this some more with me. One more statement, and then I'm going to go a different direction. I'm going to show you what this is like. It is no accident that when St. Paul was trying to describe the eternal purpose of God for humans, he chose the word adoption. Do you remember what I read last week from Ephesians chapter 1? All praise to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing because we're united in Christ. Remember this sentence, verse 9 or 4? Even before God created the world, God chose us, loved us, and called us to be holy in Christ without fault in his eyes before the creation of, of the world. And then verse 5. God decided in advance to adopt us into his family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. Who is your God? And what I'm suggesting in this series is we have such a small view of God. You remember back several years ago when we did the series on suffering? I talked big God, small problems, or huge problems, small God. If you and I understand we have been invited into the circle of love, that we have been chosen, we have been adopted, we have been redeemed. Now listen, listen to me. You can never fall out of the circle of love. We call that the perseverance of the saints. What we believe is that when God chooses, calls, and invites in, we are in the circle of love. So think about this. When you die, where are you? In the circle of love. When you live, where are you? In the circle of love. Your understanding of God affects everything. In pandemics, What's your understanding of God? Is he just some distant over there? So you read all these people, different pastors on TV. Hey, God's just judging over here, and Jesus is distant over there, but he paid for your sins, and the Holy Spirit is, well, I don't know what the Holy Spirit's doing, and so you just, you're on your own. And the doctrine of the Trinity says our God is ever in a beautiful, 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 life-going, life-giving, loving relationship. And we are invited in. How? What did Jesus say? When Jesus, one of the three, one, one, three, came to earth, what did he say to his friends? He said, I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life. And how do we often understand that? He's the way to heaven. He is the truth to heaven. He is the life from heaven. Well, yeah, yes. But how about this? He is the way into the circle of love. He is the truth about the circle of love. And he offers us life, entry, entree into 
the circle of life. That's why last week, Ephesians chapter 1, we have been chosen, adopted, and redeemed into the circle of love. And that's why St. Paul, last week's passage, three times, worship, worship, praise and worship because we've been invited in. Now I want to talk about this in a different way with you. If, you. if you remember last week I said we're going to use John chapters 13 through 17. But first I want to go to a different passage because I want you to see the joyful intimacy of Father, Son, and Spirit. So can I have slide number three, please, Jim? Slide three, I'm going to look at Mark chapter one. Look at just a couple verses. And what I want you to see, what we find there in the Trinity. Mark chapter one, verses nine through 11. If you find that in your Bibles... Just a few verses. It's the baptism of Jesus. And I want you to look at the interplay between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Mark chapter 1, verse 9. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Now watch verse 10 and verse 11. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open. And what did the Son see? The Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven, who is that? God the Father, said, You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. What do we see in the Trinity in those three verses? May I suggest to you we see intimacy, identing, belonging, and purpose. Now those should sound familiar because that is what we as staff are trying to invite the whole congregation into in all our areas of discipleship, from the youngest to the oldest, over the next several years. So do you notice? There is intimacy. Father, Son, and Spirit are dancing together in an intimate relationship. Father, Son, and Spirit all together. There is identity. Do you notice how they're naming Jesus? It's so interesting. The voice from heaven, Spirit descending, says what? You are my Son. With you, I'm well pleased. Where's that coming from? That is coming from Isaiah 42 and Psalm 2. Isaiah 42 is what? The servant song. Psalm 2 is what? Was read every time a king was crowned in Israel. It's the kingly citation. The voice from heaven says to Jesus, spirit falling on him, you are the servant king and you belong to us. And what's the purpose? The purpose is to bring the kingdom to earth. Now, this is what I want you to catch. If you think about the Trinity, what I'm going to try to say over these weeks is consistently this. What we see in the Trinity is what others are to see in us. What others see in the Trinity, we want people to see in us. So as we look at John 13 through 17, I tried to think as directed, encouraged, invited by our staff and key leaders, how are we going to apply the Trinity? And so if you look on the screen, you see a number of words. What I'd like to do over these coming weeks is pick one or two of these each week and talk about how the Trinity in the circle of love submits to each other. Or I use the word agape because love is a, is a word we often use and misuse. It's to give the self fully in servant-heartedness for the good of another. It's empowerment. It's releasing to go and serve. It's life-giving connections. It's courage. Now, courage is a bit of a stretch, but you'll see why when we get to the last week. But what I want you to see is the doctrine of the Trinity is this invitation into the very life of God. And in that life of God, we see submission, we see love, we see empowerment, we see connections, and we see courage. And brothers and sisters, that's what people need to see from us. 
Now again, let me come back. What is your image of God? If your image of God is Father, Son, Spirit, He's mad, He's gone, He's mysterious, how does this help us live our lives? But if you live understanding, I am ever in the circle of love. So think about this. If you, if you are invited in, you've been chosen, you've been adopted, you have been redeemed into the circle of love, you cannot leave. So think about this. When you die, you're still in the circle of love. So those we lost in Christ, who are gone from us here, we think, are actually still in the circle of love. The reality of the Christian faith, because of the doctrine of the Trinity, is you cannot ever not be in the circle of love. And that changes everything. Now, what do we see in this trinity? Now, slide five, please, Jim. I want to focus on the phrase joyful intimacy. Every work, week, I'm going to pick out just two words that describe some aspect of Father, Son, and Spirit. Back to the previous slide, Jim. And then what I'd like you to see is I'm going to pick one or two from this list and apply a two-word descriptor of the trinity with one or two action steps. And the goal is to say, are we entering, are we living in, are we embracing, are we celebrating, are we living out of the circle of love? And if we are, what are specific ways others can see and sense the circle of love? So, having said that, may I invite you to turn your Bibles to John chapter 15. Let's look specifically now, and I'm going to look at the idea of, of agape, of love, and life-giving connections. So in John chapter 15, which I used in the Fruit of the Spirit series, I'd like to focus on verses uh, 9 uh, 9 through 11. John chapter 15, verses 9 through 11. Do you have that? Could you read chapter uh, 15, nine, let's read 9 through 12. Could we read that together out loud? As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you remain in my love, just as I kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this, Look at this now, that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Back to slide five in a minute, Jim. So here we are. I want you to see love and connections that are in the Godhead. As love and connections are in the circle of love with Father, Son, and Spirit, we are invited to live in the same and live out of the same. So let's go back to 15 now. Notice the word remain. There are 11 times in chapter 15 the word remain. So some translations have abide. What does that mean very, very specifically? It means to dwell. So look at verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now dwell in my love. What love are we talking about? The love of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Remain in, abide in, dwell in the circle of love. He says, if you keep my commands, and what are Jesus' commands? Love the Lord your God with heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. If you, if you obey my commands, you will remain, you will dwell in my love. Now look what Jesus says. Just as I have kept my Father's commands, and I remain in his love. So watch this progression. What's he saying? What's Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, here's the love of the Father, I remain, I dwell in this love. And then he's saying to us, would you dwell in this love? And now the dwelling of love goes where? Father, Son, and us. Dwell in, 
remain in the circle of love. The text goes on. Let's see what else it says. I have told you this, purpose clause, so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. The root of joy is a Greek word named kara, charis, which means grace. Let's read it again, verse 11. I have told you this, what? Remain, dwell in the love of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Remain in that love so that his kara, his grace may be in you and your grace may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. So the joyful intimacy that the Father and Son experienced, John 15, is now being given to the disciples. And what Jesus is saying is, I dwell in this fatherly love, this Trinitarian love. You dwell in my love. We are all in the circle of love. Now, it's interesting. I got just, I'm going to just sideways here. Do you remember when, in the Gospels when John was before, before Jesus' death and resurrection? Do you remember what kind of a person John, the, John was? What was he called? He and his brother were called it, sons of thunder. At least two times, they wanted to call down fire from heaven to destroy these bad Samaritans, at least twice. He was powerful. He was angry. He was, he was testosterone-driven man. They're arguing with each other later on with the other disciples. Who's going to be greatest in the kingdom of the heavens? That guy, John. When he is on the penal colony of Patmos, as he was going to be preparing to die. Do you know what he wrote? He talked about love. If you read Revelation, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, all you hear is love, love, love. He was transformed because of the Trinitarian love of Father, Son, and Spirit turned this raging, self-righteous, fire-breathing, Kick those Samaritans in the fanny disciple of Jesus to one who changed his whole tone. And now he writes, remain in love. Jesus is the way into the circle of love. And we're invited to remain, to dwell, to abide. But I want to show you a different passage. Can you turn over to John 17, verses 24, 25, and 26? I'd like you to just to see just a little bit about how these connections work and, and how they are then being driven by love. Chapter 17, verse 24. This is a long prayer. This is actually Jesus' longest prayer. He's praying for all those who come after him. He says in verse 24, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am. So where is he? We'll come back to that. And to see my glory. The glory you have given me because you love me before the creation of the world. Let's go back. Father, I want you to be, I want those you've given to me to be with me where I am. What's he talking about? He's talking obviously about in that moment, in that place, in that time. But he's also talking about the circle of love. How do you know that? Because I want them to see my glory. The glory you gave me because you love me. Look at now. Because you love me when? Before the creation of of the world. Next week, I'm going to talk about some interesting, deep, uh, constructive words that describe the, the foundation of the Trinity. But do you notice there it says there, he was Jesus, the Son, 
was loved by the Father before, before the creation of the world. The circle of love was already in place. Verse 25, righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. What's the word know mean? Do you remember back, way back in the day? The Greek word is gnosko. To know in the gospel of John is to have an experiential knowledge that moves to deep levels. He says in verse 25, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know you have sent me. He says in verse 26, I have made you, this is the Father, known to them, and will continue to make you known in order that, here's the purpose, that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. It's the same thing as chapter 15, the circle of love. He's saying, Father, let them see. Let them experience the fullness of the love we have shared, the love that is us, that is our circle. Now, this is so critical. If you, your image of God is just is so important. In COVID, if you've got a Godfather over here who's just watching the rules, keeping the law, make sure a good boy or girl, if you have an absent son who died, praise God, rose, hallelujah, is sitting on the throne in the highest heavens, but he's gone, and then we got the Holy Spirit, and again, we're not, some of us, many of us don't know what to do with the Holy Spirit. When it comes to COVID, you're on your own. We got to think smart. We got to, yes, we got to make wise, yes. But why so much fear? Now, remember what I said to you two weeks ago. Listen to what I said two weeks ago. Listen to what I'm saying now. Those who do not have a good understanding of the circle of love, Father, Son, and Spirit, will be marked and driven by fear and anxiety. It's easy to understand, isn't it? If you are secure, you're intimately connected with Father, Son, and Spirit. Your identity your identity, you are an adopted son or daughter of this incredible triune God. You belong to this family, and your purpose is to join them in bringing heaven to earth in the circle of love. Well, what do we do with all this? How do we apply it very specifically? Can I give slide number seven, please, Jim? So I'm just trying to be kind of clever, but not really. Be love, be loved, or do love. So how, how do we be loved? Very simply, we have to make decisions and choices to enter, to remain in, to be mindful of the circle of love. What can you do? What can we do? What, what ways can we live that we know we are loved? And I'm gonna start with your image of God. We have to take every thought captive. We have to fight against thoughts that have this, and has had three-headed God who is mysteriously gone, distant from us, we have to understand we are never away. Why did St. Paul write? Nothing can ever separate you. Romans 8. How many times at funerals have I read this and said this for 27 years? Nothing can ever separate you from the love of God, Father, Son, and Spirit that is in, through Christ Jesus our Lord. What does he say? Life can't, death can't. When you die, you are not separated from the circle of love. Angels can't, 
demons can. Nothing in all creation can separate you from the circle of love. So we have to make decisions and choices to think differently, to be transformed. So things like, can I just suggest, read John 13 through 17 repeatedly. Listen to it. If you, you can view it. Let the words of the Father, Son, and Spirit and their relationship wash over you. Start to change how you think. You're never alone. You're never orphaned. You're never abandoned, no matter what happens. So position yourself to learn to be loved. Maybe have a fellowship with other believers, and you just pray blessing, verbal blessing over each other. Be loved. Let others who are in the circle of love just pray blessing and honor and encouragement and strengthening out loud, one for the other. And then out of that, we just are love. In the Fruit of the Spirit series in January and February, remember we talked about that. We don't say, I'm just going to produce the fruit of love or joy or peace or patience or kindness. No. We want to be deeply connected, remaining, abiding, dwelling in this circle of love. And as we are there, we just are loving. We are kind. We are patient. Because we are remaining. We are dwelling. We are abiding in the circle of love. So take thought captive. Relearn to think. Those who study brains tell you that back when I was a young person, it was about 27 days to learn a new habit. Today they're saying it takes 66 days. So for the next several months, what can you do to start thinking differently that you are chosen, adopted, and loved? You're a child of the triune God. And then do love. What kinds of things? Well, all kinds of ways. Leave gift cards. Send notes. Write chalk art. Uh, wave to those who are infirm. Last week, Wednesday, in our live cast, Pastor Phil and his wife, Deb, said they're going to take their stimulus checks because at this point in time, the Lord's provided what they need. They're going to take their stimulus checks and they're going to give it to some other person or persons who, ha who have a need. What ways, coming out of the circle of love, can we do love? Can we share love? Can we touch and share and bless and encourage and honor and strengthen others? Let me give you one, one more illustration. Then I've written a crafted a prayer that I'd like to pray. I want to, I want to change. I'm, 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 going to try to, I'm going to try to give you an illustration that invites you to enter the circle of love. Let's pretend that you know a little two-year-old. Little two-year-old, say a little two-year-old girl. Little two-year-old. And this little girl's mind, as a two-year-old, developmentally, is just, where are, where are, where are my, where's my family? Am I safe? Am I secure? Do I have something to eat? Are people caring for me? That's the little world of a two-year-old, right? Very small. So for a two-year-old, the circle of love is just whoever I live with, and then do they care for me? Do, do they love me? That's a pretty small world. But what the two-year-old does not understand is that mommy and daddy have a mommy and daddy. And mommy and daddy may have brothers and sisters. And the brothers and sisters may have sons and daughters. And what the two-year-old does not understand that there is a whole circle of love in her family, which she knows nothing of. But she's part of it. You are part of a circle of love. Whether you know it or not, if you had been chosen, adopted, and redeemed by Jesus, you enter the circle of love. 
that changes everything. So how did I start 29 minutes ago? What is your image of God? You have a God, three and one, one and three, who is a circle of love, of joy, of happiness, of beauty, of hope, of all good. And that's your life. And that's your inheritance. Do you believe it? Will you embrace it? I've written a prayer. I've crafted a prayer. And as I wrote it, I tried to imagine if we were having a conversation with God. So I'm going to read it as though we are having a conversation with Father, Son, and Spirit. Here's my prayer. God speaks to us. Welcome. I am here. I am with you. There is nothing to fear. I will teach you things that you will not learn in a lifetime of schooling. I will be your guide. I will be your teacher. I will be your friend. Ask me to lead you into truth, and I will lead you into grace and truth. I've been with you every step of your journey. Think back to a season of your life, a memory. Bring it up into mind. God says, I was there. I remember also. Think back to those most important times and places and events. I was with you then. And God says, I am with you now. I want to speak to you the things that you would not know apart from my love and my disclosure. I want to share with you the passions of my heart. I want to love you and guide you. I want you to be eternally secure in my love. And we would respond something like, teach us, show us, guide us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Guide us in the way and the truth in the life. And then God speaks again. I am with you always, even to the end of time. When there is no more time, I will still be with you, loving you, there is no created thing that can separate you from my love, not the passage of time, not death, not the sorrows of this life that seem to threaten love's existence. Nothing will ever separate you from my love. And we respond, O oh God, perfect us in love and cast out all fear. Perhaps God speaks again. I will teach you how to walk in my love as you continue to seek the circle of love. I will seek you first before you will ever seek me. I call out to you before you call out to me. So don't fear separation from my love in COVID-19. Do not fear at all. There is nothing to fear because I am with you always. I will teach you. I will show you. I will guide you where you will go. I will give you words to say, thoughts to think, and feelings to embrace. Do not fear, for I am with you, always calling, always seeking, always loving. And then I hear him say, abide in me. Remain in me. 
abide in me. And we say, 